0: hey listener how's it uh going today um why are these starts always weird anyway uh <laughs> maybe i'm in a weird mind space because we have a special special little thing for you today listener and that is we're not talking about a movie in fact we're talking about two television shows from the history channel <laughs> <laughs> so great about this <laughs> i know yeah um so if you are a fan of the history channel then you definitely know that they are, uh have non-historical shows that are very insane and um <laughs> For the most part, just ridiculous. And uh, the two shows that we're talking about today are Forged Forged in Fire and Ancient Aliens. (laughs) Forged in Fire. I'd never heard of Forged in Fire until you
1: mentioned it to me the other day, but it seems like this has been like... You, you just said something you've thought about a lot
0: <laughs> yeah i have i have thought about this a lot um i think primarily because it's a it's a show about like it's a blacksmithing competition show and i i first saw it a few years ago and thought hey that, that'll be fun um and I, i've watched a number of episodes and and i've noticed aside from the the pattern and the style of the of each episode there, there are they're like definite themes about modern masculinity i find that uh, that kind of show up and um it's just like it's it's really funny too yeah and and i think a lot of people are are really familiar with ancient aliens even if you don't watch it which i don't think you should uh in fact i don't (laughs) think anyone should and i ancient aliens makes me think that the history channel is actually evil
1: (laughs) see i'm gonna beg to differ there because i think after watching one episode here i'm gonna
0: watch most of that show (laughs) (laughs) well see that's the thing about it i watch it pretty much um Pretty much, whenever it's it's like if there's nothing else on, I will I will watch it because it's I know it's going to be entertaining.
1: Yeah, that's hilarious.
0: It's it's so funny. It's just you know what? It's a it's a panelist of of dumb psycho men. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's what I'm calling them: Giorgio sukalos and that Childress got Childress children. What's his name?
1: I don't, I don't know. Yeah, is is it the same guys they interview like every episode? Pretty much. Yeah. Like the pretty... the, P, the guys with PhDs, so they're smart. <laughs>
0: yeah exactly it's pretty much the same people one guy was like the curator of the joseph campbell archives or something yep Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah and you can tell he 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 definitely dyes his hair you can just tell uh and then there was Mm -hmm. another guy with like a cool like eagle necklace which you know that's a that's a red flag right there uh never never trust someone that looks like that's wearing jewelry that looks like they bought it at shell um because they're probably crazy (laughs) anyway so the episode uh for for this podcast that we watched of ancient aliens was the episode entitled sean you want to let us know
1: yeah yeah it's called uh,
0: decoding the cosmic egg (laughs) decoding the cosmic (laughs) egg i've never heard the word egg so many times in 40 minutes in my life yeah especially the first 10 minutes they just like egg was in every sentence i think (laughs) <laughs> yeah, egg, egg, eggs in the Philippines, eggs in Brittany, France, eggs in Mesoamerica. Yeah, it was it was definitely the most times I've ever heard "egg" in that short
1: amount of time, and like there was something unnerving about it. Like it just kind of made me uncomfortable to hear
0: that word so often. I agree. Egg is is generally kind of a weird word, and it, they're also sort of odd things. Eggs are there's something strange about them. Um,
1: they are strange, yeah, especially yeah. cosmic eggs. Yeah,
0: yeah, especially uh, what do they call it? Pan pan spermation, where uh, the idea that aliens <laughs> basically started life on Earth.
1: Right. I think my favorite part about ancient aliens that I just want to say before we like dive into either of these is like it starts off by just putting things out there that are like true, you know, like. You know, this culture has yeah. this representation. Like here's how an egg trans like is shows up in all these different cultures. And it's basically just like talking about Joseph Campbell type of stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. how could an egg show up in all these different cultures through all across time? And <laughs> then they just like multiple times throughout the episode start a sentence by saying ancient astronaut <laughs> ancient astronaut theorists and like they just Believe refer to this or body. Content- <laughs> like yeah, yeah, so like could could this mean that aliens were involved in the creation of the universe, like ancient astronaut theorists say yes, <laughs> and then they just like move on into alien theories, and like they never interview an ancient astronaut theorist,
0: like unless all these people talking are like actually ancient astronaut theorists I think that's the idea, so like these this like panel okay. of of sort of like uh crystal worshipping kind of people, like five guys. They, The five guys, exactly. They are, they're the ancient astronaut theorists.
1: Okay, gotcha. So I guess an ancient astronaut refers to
0: an alien. Yes, yeah. And an alien that, yeah, visited here and, you know, helped the Egyptians build pyramids, injected monkeys with human DNA, shit like that. Right. Like Prometheus, the movie. Prometheus. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Ridley Scott. Yeah. Yeah. They just like say theories and like put some science out there and then all of a sudden they just... Completely cross this massive gap into like, well, that
0: means aliens, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like yeah. talk
1: about how like aliens
0: like pretty much definitely did that, <laughs> yeah, exactly, not like you know, hey, when we look at the evidence, we see that it's possible, when it's like it's more like, hey, we look at the evidence and realize that we don't like uh, the archaeologists uh, explanation or the scientist explanation. So we're just going to say it was aliens. And then we're going to do a little CGI thing of a weird egg shaped ship landing on earth to make right. it seem yeah. real. <laughs> but I, th- I think forged in
1: fire is kind of where we're beginning here. So yeah. you've seen like many episodes of the show.
0: I, mm-hmm, it. I have. Yeah. Many episodes. So, um,
1: <laughs> I guess you,
0: you could go ahead and take the reins of describing it to our one listener what it is. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's a very easy concept. <laughs> if you know any of these like one one off one time competition shows like in the, on the Food Network, I think it's the show Chopped. Um, It's the exact same idea. So only it's with blacksmithing. So there you know there are judges and there are contestants and every episode there are four contestants and they basically have to go through a series of blacksmithing challenges until there are just two contestants remaining and then those two contestants get to go back to their quote home forge where they have their forge at home and they have to create a sword or a knife or a, a blade of some kind blade uh from
1: Sonia <laughs>
0: Uh, they have to create a blade from history and then come come back to the, uh, the History Channel Forge and put that blade through a number of tests.
1: When you said Home Forge, I'm not really sure why. I mean, I never really know why my mind works the way it does. But mm-hmm. like, it instantly just pictured Mordor. And I just thought how funny it would be if Sauron was a competitor in this show and had to <laughs> go back to his Home Forge of Mordor to, to create this blade and then return to the History
0: Channel hosts. That would be, that would go. be, yeah. <laughs> Here's I an mean, orc saber. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Eat will kill. Um, for anyone who has watched a lot of the show, they know that uh, I was just doing my Doug Markida impression. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is that Game of Thrones? Nope. It's uh, one of the judges on Forged in Fire.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: yes. Now I know who you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> the, uh, the edged weapon specialist. The weapon specialist. Yeah. huh. The first one I saw with him, he was kind of just, like, quiet and intentional, looked kind of nice. And it was the first episode of the series that I watched um, Uh, with the Japanese katanas. And when he started testing out the katanas that were made, uh, there were three dead fish hanging from the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And that guy just, like, went to town on these dead fish with an old katana, like, flipping around and Mm -hmm. slicing up. All of a sudden, he was, like, very a very dangerous man.
0: Yeah, and it's, oh, it's just so funny because there's this, like, aspect of the show where it's, like, trying to combine, like, art and destruction in some ways because it's, like, creating an artful blade and then it's, like, now we're going to do an ice block challenge or watch. Let's see if it, you kept an edge and you can cut through the sugar cane. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah. I don't know, it's it's really kind of it's overall just like very funny and entertaining.
1: I also didn't realize that there were that many blacksmiths still
0: around. So there's like six
1: seasons already of the show.
0: Yeah, I watched the hundred I know. And some of them are like part time uh or whatever, they'll say like I don't know, whatever. But um Charlatans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fuck them. (laughs) I want to see. You fully tw- commit to the blacksmith life. I know. And it shows up when they when they don't put enough white out in their canistered Damascus. That's a little uh, metal <laughs> reference. I've learned a lot about metal since I watched the show.
1: <laughs> Has it's it made like, you want to make swords?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, that's not like really yeah. a new thing, though. I've always kind of been. Uh, I've always sort of thought that could be fun, and actually, a few months ago, I, I looked up to see if I could take a blacksmithing class this summer, and I totally would. <laughs> but, um, but then I'm like, well, what would I do? Would I like hit? <laughs> would I then keep this keep the the hobby alive in my backyard and keep my neighbors awake at night? It's like, hey, it's one thing when someone's <laughs> mowing a lawn; it's another thing when you are hitting metal on metal for hours a day.
1: <laughs> hours so I don't straight. think I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> did you read about the the guy who got inspired by the show to create a sword in his backyard and then burn down 30 buildings <laughs> 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 and he got arrested and sentenced to a year in jail
0: <laughs> wow no I did not hear yeah, about that and,
1: yeah $600,000 fine as well
0: <laughs> holy shit <laughs> yeah what?
1: some guy who just loved the show and just I guess got inspired to make a sword and set up some shop in his backyard and I guess he just didn't have any skills. So things went horribly wrong and almost 30 buildings in the general vicinity
0: were just that's burnt amazing. to the ground. He got arrested for arson. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, they have that disclaimer at the beginning that forging is dangerous. Yeah. Took themselves so, out of implication. So it was just all yeah. on this
1: this poor guy <laughs> that his
0: life was ruined. Wow. That's that's really crazy. I wonder where he lived that a fire could so easily spread to 30 buildings. Must have lived in, like, a, yeah, the middle sure. of the city. Holy mm-hmm. shit. That's a huge land mass. 30 buildings would cover a huge amount of space. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very
1: large amount of space. Like, tons of firefighters on it. No one died, but I guess a firefighter got injured.
0: Wow. Part of that scares me. I mean, like, obviously, yeah. the idea of a fire is, and just, you know, the destruction of those buildings is unfortunate and sad. But part of it also, it freaks me out because... um I'm like, I could see myself doing that. And then I could be that guy who goes <laughs> to jail for a year. That just really made yeah. me scared. <laughs> just a little warning before you decide to set up that backyard shop. It, yeah, exactly. Take the class first. You're right. Yeah, I'll do it in a safe <laughs> environment and I'll heed the History Channel's warning. Um. <laughs> so, Sean, have you ever seen the movie The Election, I believe, with Matthew Broderick? No, I didn't, I didn't see that one. Okay, well... um, I would recommend that you watch it. And I think it is one of the, the cringiest movies I've ever seen. And when I say cringiest, I mean, it gives me a personal, like, intense sense of fright and shame and uh, horror and embarrassment. And it's just it's, – it's really cringy. And part of the reason why it's so cringy is because it's – like, for personally for me, is because it's about a teacher And it's just like all this shit goes wrong and this weird stuff. And he makes some terrible mistakes and essentially like really kind of just goes on this down spiral and it's awful. And the reason why it's so cringy for me is because like you and I both know having, you know, been teachers, it's like, whoa, that's, that's not that far from reality. Like that scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so just like how rapidly the downfall of a teacher could come. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So, in in a similar way, that uh, that closeness, that possibility of being so close to home uh, is what frightens me about that blacksmith. So, I will be careful. Okay. Fair warning.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my short experience as a high school teacher of three years, there were multiple teachers that instantly came to mind as <laughs> as having one of those downfalls. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know the exact details of this one from election, but like people you know had been there for decades and suddenly like did something something happened and they were just demolished and then they were gone. Oh yeah, totally. And then, like all of a sudden there's just like a new person in their desk.
0: Like okay. <laughs> like, oh, well, it's frightening. Yeah, it's like am I going to am I going to have a bad day and snap and just like say something horrible to someone? And it's like oh my god. <gasps> I just I just lost my job in 5 seconds.
1: Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. There's one that I'm just going to talk about um because it's really funny. Um <laughs> and this this guy didn't end up having a downfall. I think that if it was a different teacher, he would have. This guy was in like administration and probably doing a job that no one really wanted to do. Um and there was some you know mass email that went out about um some firefighter training that was going to be happening at the school oh man <laughs> and and you know he did the classic move of a reply all when he was trying to send this to like one specific woman in administration oh god <laughs> and, and it it was a picture of like a jacked oiled man in like a firefighter vest like kind of <laughs> posing with his helmet on and it said something like I know someone who's invited (laughs) And it went out to all the faculty and staff (laughs) And like (laughs) like, two two minutes later there's like another email like a full like page description of like that was supposed to be for someone like I'm so apologetic (laughs) that that was not funny That's so. That's so hilarious. But there's nothing you can do, and you send the email like two years later. I just like went back through my email inbox and still could find it.
0: <laughs> that is so hilarious. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe we can post that eventually. For we can, you can pull that picture back <laughs> up, and we can post it for the listener.
1: Yeah. There you go. <laughs> just follow us on Instagram at General yeah. Snobbery, and in the next couple of days, you'll see that picture appear. <laughs> That's
0: so wonderful. Along with the exact details of the email. Oh man! And along with that gentleman's name and contact information, <laughs> <laughs> his
1: address, social security number, <laughs>
0: anything you need.
1: <laughs> wow! But I remember thinking, like, I was I was so new to the profession. Like, I'd just been there for like a month. And right when I saw it, I was like, hey, that's hilarious. That was a good joke. And yeah. Like, then all of a sudden, like, everyone was talking about it. Like, I can't believe it. He's got to be fired. That was horrible. <laughs> it's the, one of the worst things that's happened to you all in years.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I I remember when I – the very first time I worked in high school, I was like a – kind of like a teaching assistant sort of thing and – or like a co-teacher. And the teacher I was working with, um, one day he was doing this thing where the the kids were they were like on their computers or iPads or something. Yeah. iPads. We like had an iPad cart at the time before everyone had an iPad. Now, just so the NSA could partly watch them before being in everyone's hands. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, let's just get a taste. Corbin. Um, (laughs) that sounded like, yeah, Corbin from, uh, Snowden. (laughs) Corbin, what a terrible, terrible character, man. Um, (laughs) it's like, oh, uh, who who directed that movie again? What, I forget his name. Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone has gone way downhill. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. yeah, it's like I need a character that's the embodiment of evil. It's like okay, <laughs> right? that's really on the nose. But okay, Ooh. sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, not no room for
0: interpretation um, in that film. Exactly. But anyway, this first time I was teaching, I uh, the students had to like use their iPads to, like, log on to this thing and, like, write notes on the board for everyone. And it, like, wasn't screened or anything like that so they could write whatever. And, like, one kid wrote something about, like, penis sizes, like a small dong or something (laughs) like that.
1: (laughs) Okay. I I saw it Uh on the board
0: (laughs) and I just started laughing. I just saw it and I just – I don't know. I thought it was so funny just seeing that phrase, small dong, just like started making me laugh. And then I look over at like the the teacher I was working with and he's like staring at the kids with his arms folded. And I was like, oh, oops. I guess I shouldn't laugh. (laughs) I guess that's not hilarious. Yeah. You're not allowed to think that's funny. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Actually, I just had – you know what? I just had one the other day. Uh kids had oh, to really? put their name on the board for this uh you know kahoot the game the the web web game yeah yeah uh they put their name it's in like in some this kind guy. of trivia game yeah exactly so someone and i know who it was he put in the first name dixie like d-i-x-i-e last mm-hmm. name normus <laughs> dixie normus yeah 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 <laughs> and uh you got a good little laugh well, I did the old I did the old what I learned from that veteran teacher and I was like I, I X'd out of it and I explained to them that we we're gonna put our first names and last initials. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back on it, I should have just said, Hey, whoever did that, come outside and talk to me or I'm gonna give everyone a detention.
1: Right. The old Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna stand up?
0: Yeah, or are you gonna be a little little asshole?
1: Right. Right this is always kinda tricky. It's like Seeing students do things that were really funny, but like not being allowed to laugh as yeah. a teacher. Like I remember my first year. It's pretty relevant to what you just shared. This one, <laughs> actually. Now that I'm thinking about this again, this is really kind of astounding that this happened. Um, oh there was like a big, big football game, you know, against like a rival <laughs> school nearby. So like, was it West? It might have been West. Or because I it knew wasn't that West
0: was one of your rivals. <laughs> yeah,
1: if it wasn't West, it was probably East. <laughs> so whether it was west or east um there's you know like a big like a pep rally at the end of the week and then like a whole tailgate plan and everything and after the game it came to light that like (laughs) a student had like not spray painted but they had this like removable spray paint type of stuff that would come Mm -hmm. off you know if you just had a simple car wash and they spray painted a, a penis on the back of a car that had, like, a sticker from the other team. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, on the back windshield. And <laughs> it turned out it was, like, um, like a mom's car. <laughs> like a mom of one of the, <laughs> the kids from mm-hmm. the other school. So she came back to her car after the game and, you know, found a big dong on it <laughs> and was, <laughs> was really upset and, like, really complained, you know, to the high, highest levels of the school. And we had an all-school assembly no to, to investigate who the kid was like because no one knew who did it and they brought the entire school together like every student every teacher into the no. gymnasium like stopped school from happening and the dean got up there and just started screaming <laughs> he started screaming like who did this come forth <laughs> Is that the whole student body? <laughs> Like I'm not exaggerating, this is what happened. He started screaming like You have courage, stand up (laughs) 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 Yelling at the kid to come forward and I guess in like amidst the passion of his like (laughs) like kind of totalitarian dictator Uh type of speech, he (laughs) he screams, If you think it's funny to draw a big old peenie on a window He screamed the word "peeny," and <laughs> I remember sitting in the back and just laughing so, like, so hard. But also, like myself being being terrified and like just holding my face in my hands, like hoping that like, the other teachers who looked really angry didn't see me. Because man, it was funny,
0: but like, but also terrifying. <laughs> That's so. It's so amazing. God, those those tactics.
1: Dude, this guy, he was he was yelling for it had to be close to 10 minutes like really. The whole school. He's a very red-faced man. Wow. And um he's now um a mayor. Really? <laughs>
0: yeah. Mayor Peeny. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Peeny, <laughs> Mayor Peeny, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> I never even heard anyone use that word. <laughs> he screamed it in rage. <laughs> it's like it—it it strikes me that he—he he obviously was gonna say like penis, and maybe somewhere in his mind he's like, I can't do it. But it would have been much more forceful and seemed much more authentic had he just screamed penis yeah' like you're like exactly it would have been right. a little funny, but peeny is like really, really funny,
1: <laughs> yeah he clearly like something amidst his like unharnessed rage like yeah. fired in his mind, saying like you can't say that word, and he just <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: tried to make it more innocent last second exactly. <laughs> like it was too late to change it to to weenie. <laughs>
0: like, it's, it's like, unfortunately, like, undermines probably the strength and power of his red-faced, like, voice-cracking, like, like, scream.
1: Yeah, yeah. You could – there was an audible chuckle that, like, kind of rumbled through the student body, but everyone was too terrified to, like, laugh hysterically. But
0: many people were laughing, like, instantly. Wow. I I actually have kind of a similar story, and it was uh, when I was a a sophomore uh, in high school, and I was on JV football, and – I would do water for the varsity football team, you know, during their games because my brother was on the varsity team, and so I would go to the games and I would, you know, kind of be there. <laughs> water boy, <laughs> <laughs> hey water boy, <laughs> you're fired. Okay, so I was the I was the boucher, and um, man, it was a it was around a, a time in our our schools. I don't know if you remember this, Sean, very well, but. Uh, it was around a time when like the football team was like doing like decent and so the school gave the the head football coach like too much leeway in terms of who he hired and he hired a bunch of coaches that didn't work at the school which is like that's not totally unheard of but they're coaches who are part of the school definitely are like more accountable um coaches Mm -hmm. who like don't work at the school there's they can be like they can kind of be like what's that psychos they can be psychos because they don't have the same like day-to-day accountability and right. there were a few <laughs> definite psychos and one guy and th- these coaches only last like a year or two because people complain so much but he would fucking scream and scream and he was a, i just remember him he was an oddly shaped man i don't know what that <laughs> means but he would scream a lot and during one half time like to like rile up everyone he's fucking screaming and his voice is cracking and like you can hear his voice just like Burning out, and he's going insane. Like, blah, 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 blah. we're gonna go out there. Blah, blah, blah. When we go back. What are you done? Like, you know, this sort of thing. And and then he finished his speech, his screaming speech. Like, we're gonna get up, and we're gonna blah, blah, blah. and we're gonna go out there, and we're gonna kick their butts. <laughs> and I, like you, I stood in the corner, just like doing everything in my mind I could not to burst out laughing, (laughs) that he finished his powerful screaming speech with the word butts. (laughs) He had undermined everything he had said up to that point by saying butts instead of asses. Right. Why did he say butts? It really confused
1: me. It's baffling. Yeah, it is. It it sounds like with him it wasn't like – Something in his mind saying that he couldn't say asses. It was like his actual
0: word choice. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he used the word fuck during the speech. (laughs) (laughs) So it didn't have anything to do with like personal censorship. (laughs) There's got to be like an old, I don't know, like Disney
1: style football movie where like a football coach yells that like, yeah, let's kick some butt. (laughs) <laughs> it's just like really like Hollywood <laughs> overblown sentimentality. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah, that's really funny.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, <laughs> it, was, it was so great. <laughs> kick, kick their butts.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah. if, you,
0: if you don't mind, can I use this uh, as a segue to talk a little bit about Forged and Fire?
1: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Probably time to bring
0: it back. So, <laughs> in my mind, Forged and Fire is all about manness. And masculinity, <laughs> and on the one hand, it's like a very kind of traditionally masculine show because it's about. It, I mean, there are female contestants on the show, but I would Pretty say rare, right? maybe maybe somewhere between five and ten percent of the contestants have been female, maybe even less. Um, but there have been females on the show, female blacksmiths, and they have won. Even um, that sounded that sounded demeaning, but what I mean is like they're like uh, clearly their their representation has. Has not been anywhere near as much as the men. Um, but the, yeah, whatever. The point is, um, all the judges are men and, you know, 90, 95% of the contestants are men. And so the host, the host is a man, former yeah. military guy, and yeah, so, he's pretty, pretty yoked. Yeah, he is pretty yoked. Uh, yep. <laughs> <he> <laughs> <laughs> it's funny watching his hairstyles change from season to season, actually. Oh, it changes, huh? Because his hair is probably one of the first things
1: I noticed. Mm, what was it like? Def- it was it was definitely combed back. Um, uh okay. Yeah, he re- he reminded me of like a, a more jacked Probst, Jeff Probst, who hosts uh, Survivor. Yeah, yeah, totally. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, but also with <laughs> a little bit of
0: uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the face. Mm, you're right. That's a good way of putting him. Yeah, yeah. Probst-Levitt. Yeah, very good. Um, but yeah, his hair changed. Like he, he grew it out for a while and for a while it was just like a mop on the side of his head. It was really (laughs) kind of weird, but, um, so clearly just from the outset, you look at it, it's about men swinging hammers, making knives, which already are phallic. And, um, and so on the one hand, it's like a total man, it's like a total man show, but I, I like, which would lead me to just sort of criticize its like traditional masculinity. However, right. I think I have a theory that the History Channel is actually trying to alter our view of masculinity by way of this show, sort mm. of po- doing a little bit of satire and trying to sort of like sneak something in on you because from from the looks of it, everything about it, like I said, is traditionally masculine. However, The show itself always has an emotional arc, which is not traditionally masculine. You know, this idea of um, either it's like a a competitor who, you know, is a veteran and struggling with PTSD and he uses blacksmithing as like a, a coping mechanism or like a guy who got fired from his job because the factory moved. And so he took up blacksmithing and now it's his career. But there's always this like emotional arc that is supposed to make us feel good. And a show Hmm. that makes men feel is not a traditionally masculine show. And so I feel like it's actually trying to draw men into the 21st century ever so slightly. But by doing it by being like, hey, here's a masculine show for you. Come on in, brother. And then they walk in and they're (laughs) like, now feel.
1: (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Interesting theory. So, yeah, that's my theory about it. So with that logic, then, wouldn't something like uh – lone survivor be doing the same
0: thing oh yeah with um, because yeah i haven't seen the movie to be perfectly honest but like oh lone survivor my- sorry i was thinking of that survivor man show from years ago oh yeah because he he always like got kind of emotional but anyway i, I feel like there's a category of movies
1: that's like effective military dramas that are like <laughs> follow men and
0: like, yes.
1: are really kind of traditionally masculine, like doing your duty, you know, and mm-hmm. going out and serving and kind of entering this selflessness. But they always seem to go toward like a emotionally charged conclusion where someone sacrifices himself or like something that riles up <laughs> the male emotions
0: of those watching. Like, would that be doing the same thing? No, I, th- I think you're right. And, and one thing that makes me think about it for Lone Survivor is... Um, the opening scene of that show of that movie is this like really like overly saccharine and like kitschy guitar riff. It's like like not like not like a not like a Top Gun era guitar riff, like a high speed one, but like a soft, sweet guitar. Yeah, riff. I think it's um, I think it's Explosions in the Sky. I think that band
1: did the soundtrack for Lone Survivor. Really, and yeah, and, I don't know, I don't know about if them. you've listened to them before, mm-hmm. but. Mm-hmm um they're like a post-rock all instrumental band from Mm. austin texas and they had several albums out that really didn't sound like anything else and it's like emotionally charged guitar driven music that just goes through these like epic crescendos and these like kind of soothing aftermaths and then they started moving into film scores oh totally because i think like exactly what you're describing like it just kind of can subtly create like a pretty direct emotional
0: experience yeah it kind of reminds me of do you know the band the national yeah yeah they have Mm -hmm. kind of a similar uh similar sort of feel yeah except
1: they have that guy who's like i love
0: that guy though yeah he has a good voice yeah Uh, yeah his voice is sort of like a a mixture of Eddie Vedder and the lead singer from The Magnetic Fields. That is a really good
1: way of putting it. And I'm, I'm glad you didn't say the lead singer of Creed so we can keep <laughs> Scott Stapp out of that.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stick to singing about the Marlins, Stapp. <laughs> yeah. Definitely going to insert that into this point <laughs> of the podcast.
1: <laughs> Let's play ball. It's game day. We want strikeouts, base hits, double plays. The field, hear the <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just in case you didn't, a listener Scott Stapp did do a Marlins, a Florida Marlins pump-up song when the Marlins were having a good season years ago. Proud, and dreaming, and it might have been the final downfall of Scott Stapp. So I yeah, I think the next time he came to public consciousness after that, he was he put out a video basically asking for money. What? It was really sad. It was basically just like him talking about how horrible his life had become. Oh my God. <laughs> it was pretty messed up. Wow. So, yeah. Ho- hopefully Scott's doing well. Yeah. Hopefully. I'm cheering for Scott. Yeah. But, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it, final quick tangents on this. Uh, did you ever see the movie Warrior? With Tom Hardy and Joel Edgerton and Nolte. Uh, no, it's the fighting movie, right? Yeah, it's no, like I um, did. it's they're MMA mm-hmm. like UFC fighters. But man, it's a good movie. Oh, and cool! It's really emotionally charged, like hmm. really, really emotionally charged, and like the climactic scene takes place to a national song, ah, and like one that just builds and builds. And I guess the director um said that. Like before he even started making the movie, he knew that that song was gonna be the climax. Um,
0: this whole issue of male emotionality, I think, is so fascinating. I don't know. I I, like I I read this book, or I started reading this book called um,
1: Iron
0: John. Have you ever heard of this? No. Iron John is a very it's very Jungian and it dissects this ancient fairy tale about a man named Iron John, who's sort of a, a wild man. And um and the the preface to this book sort of talked about the the idea of what it means to be a like a man in the United States is odd because it changes like every ten years. So like hmm. the ideal man of the fifties was sort of like a Don Draper type. You know, it's right. like kind of this like stoic breadwinner, emotional, uh, emotionally absent sort. Um, the sixties, it began to like transition more into maybe like, I forget, I forget, I forget what the sixties. Probably like a, at least the late sixties, like
1: a little more free flowing, you know, like mm-hmm. longer hair and like mustache, like the Beatles with the mop tops yes. and
0: stuff, like just kind of a little. Uh, I mean, probably a little more room for emotion. Yes, and then so that led into like the seventies, which is like much more kind of that. Like, I mean, it's a derogatory term, you know, but, you know, that that concept of like the the touchy feely type Um sort of like, uh you right. know, more more willing to hug and speak about emotions. And then it's this constant pendulum. And then the 80s was like a transfer yeah, yeah. back into like the Reagan era and like Wall Street mm-hmm. and suits. And then the 90s right. was like more open kind of again and like coffee shop culture. And it's just sort of this like weird pendulum where it's like, mm-hmm. And I don't remember exactly the point this was trying to make, but I guess it was just saying that, like, one reason why men struggle with emotions is because they often feel like they have to kind of craft their emotion. Or or just that idea that there's not, like, a guiding – It's there's nothing, like – there's not a consistent guide, if you know what I mean. Right, right. And so it's, like, not that the guide should be followed, but, like, it just – it's sort of like you move one way and then like the culture is swinging another way. And uh, yeah, well, yeah. it makes sense that it's like really Jungian. It's like, does he talk about the idea of the persona or like the anima and animus? I don't remember exactly, but I know there's a lot of Jungian stuff in it. Cause it's a, the story is basically about a, uh, like a, a young prince who has to go into the woods and he's guided by a, by a wild man essentially. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway.
1: Yeah, I can see that getting all Jungian. Mm -hmm. But like what came to mind is he said like the anima and animus were two like archetypal energies within, you know, the collective human Mm psyche, like everyone to some degree. And that, you know, it's kind of like the masculine, feminine impulses that Mm -hmm. we all have. And so like depending on the culture, um, you know, they get some degree of representation or no degree of representation. Mm -hmm. So like in the Don Draper time, you have like a very – I think the animus is the male. Okay. So you have a very animus like centric I see. male persona mm-hmm. which is like the like expression of the like the ex- expression I guess of the person within the boundaries of society but you have this anima mm-hmm. that is sectioned off into the shadow like the it's still there but you know you push it away because you're not supposed to feel those energies mm-hmm. like whatever that um, and that, so, you know, it could manifest in dreams or mm-hmm. whatnot and just basically create a pretty imbalanced and unhappy <laughs> individual because like the whole thing with Jungian psychology was like making all that conscious and like finding a healthy, balanced integration of all these energies that aren't as like conflicting as society will often like make them. But hmm. but yeah, like the level of shadow of like, an, the anima mm-hmm. would be dependent on, like, the cultural
0: situation in the society, which is changing, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, that that is exactly what he talked about, sort of in this pendulum swing from decade to decade. I, I remember that now. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, just, like, how much the culture allows for that mm-hmm. to, like, be integrated into the personality and into just, like, the, the way of being without, you know, getting shamed by your bros. <laughs>
0: You know, yeah, speaking of getting shamed by your bros, it's interesting, kind of in one of my stints between teaching high school, a three year gap, I noticed coming back after three years, I noticed a marked difference in the willingness for the the young men to embrace each other physically. Like it it went from being sort of like, oh fucking bro hug, you know, which like has like mm-hmm. a bro hug is like hedging your bets against a hug. It's like, ha, right. ha, yeah, I'm, it's like I'm calling out You know
1: we want to do this, but we have to make
0: a joke about it exactly. and like act like it's something stupid yeah yeah so they call it a bro hug and then and a different thing i was like on like this overnight thing with some students and we were just like hanging out and uh after we had like finished everything we needed to do and like legitimately like guys were using each other's legs as like pillows and i was like wow this is i I would not have seen this like three years ago like they're literally just hanging out the way like siblings would um mm-hmm. and that's not the sort of thing you would have seen even a few years ago which i thought was like really yeah. interesting and the fact that they weren't joking about it was like oh yeah nice it just kind of naturally flowed mm-hmm. into that yeah that never would have happened when we were in high no, school no that would not have happened at all
1: hmm. <laughs> yeah i mean but it makes sense i think thinking about the way the culture has shifted just in terms of like representation of and like acceptance of like way diverse ways of being mm-hmm. um you know, like it's pride month right now. Yeah. Like that wasn't a thing when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. Like if it, if it was like, it wasn't like a nationally recognized and accepted thing to the way it is now. But then, you know, we have both sides of the pendulum because right now we also have like that surge of like hate and like, yeah. Like terrorist groups who are like fighting this type of representation by being, I don't know that whole, like make, uh, make things great again. Mm-hmm. That bullshit. Yeah. Like, it's so subjective and it could mean like oh yeah like when men were men mm-hmm. like don draper yeah and you know just trying to like extinguish that impulse so like the the representation that like these diverse emotional feelings can have but yeah man it's so complex because then like these groups like that like i don't know much about the proud boys but oh, like, i know yeah that's like a, a thing mm-hmm. now and it seems to be pretty connected with like alt-right and mm-hmm. is is that, that correct
0: yeah as far as as far as i know i likewise don't know a ton about it but it's like it's one of those things where it seems like it's one of those groups that on the one hand sort of like ancient aliens <laughs> on the one hand yeah. they have some <laughs> legitimate messages um and i don't know much about the proud boys but like ancient just i'll use ancient aliens as like kind of a guide for this the first five minutes of ancient every single ancient aliens episode they bring on legitimate like truly legitimate academics, people with PhDs mm-hmm. in astrophysics, PhDs in history, archaeology, etc., and they sort of present some objective material. And then from right. there, those people get pushed to the back, and then these kind mm-hmm. of ancient astronaut theorists come in, and they begin <laughs> misinterpreting the data. Um, yeah, And so I yeah. think that's, like, the Proud Boys, they, right. they're becoming very popular. And I think, on the one hand, because they they, like, are, you know, they have this message about, like, hey, like, men, like here are some ways you can be good. And, you know, here are some, I, I, I don't, again, I don't know anything about them, but from what I've heard, it's like right. calling men to be responsible. And it's like, okay. everyone likes a message to be responsible, but then it's like, but then that quickly is sort of like, which I think is a good message. Be responsible, be whatever. Yeah. Um, but then that's quickly sidelined into this like anti-immigrant and like very pro white. It's like, okay. So that's where the yeah. weird, like uh twisting happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's like factions of that like Proud Boy centric thing that, mm-hmm. you know, break off. But like, yeah, that's a really good connection to where, because it's also connected to conspiracy. Yeah. Ways, right. It seems like there's some weird connection between this alt right stuff and the sense of conspiracy, like being mm-hmm. lied to and like oppressed and all that. Um, But it it always has this factual core and like, Mm -hmm. you know, starts by pointing to these things that like definitely happened. And then all of a sudden there's just this leap across a gulf and it's like an interpretive leap that really doesn't have any validity apart from like, I want to believe that. Yeah. So I'm going to like point to this stuff as justification and like, you can't tell me I'm wrong.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It it kind of reminds me of like gambling in a casino where it's like. People do it for fun, and sometimes people win. But like, I know a lot of the attitude is is people there certain that they will win. It's like, whoa, that is that is something you should not be certain about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so that that idea of becoming certain about these other things is like, it's just like it's equally as dangerous. You know, it's like well, you're not losing money, but you're you're losing your ability to look at things objectively.
1: Yeah, because then you're just thinking about Q. Q. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah so, i
1: haven't heard much about q anymore
0: yeah the, uh, i just you know i was reading a little about ancient aliens and how ancient aliens started in 2010 which was like right toward it was like a slight lull in the whole like dan brown kind of conspiracy era because that was more mid 2000s early 2000s um but right. it was two years before 2012 which of course we know is when the oh, right. mayan stuff um yeah So it talked about there's like this ebb and flow in interest in these sorts of things, which, again, I think the fact that History Channel plays into that makes them evil. And I think the people involved in the show are terrible people because they (laughs) the fact that they present that it's like they they're doing the same thing that a drug dealer does, which is like we know that people are essentially addicted to these ideas and we're going to continue to peddle it to them. And it's terrible and it's destructive. And a weird thing about it, while I don't know any of the data those who believe in conspiracy theories do seem to be overwhelmingly male. Really? I, that's at least my, like, I very rarely hear a woman be a nine, 11 truther. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. every nine yeah. 11 truther I've ever met has been like a, has been a man and like uh <laughs> pizza gate people. I didn't hear like a lot of women. maybe there were, I don't know, but like Alex yeah. Jones and that Mike Cernovich idiot. Um, And like all these other people who are like clearly peddling conspiracy theories. It's never, it's never a woman. (laughs) I just, I I don't know. I I feel like, I feel like there's, there is a connection between that emotionality that we talked about just a minute ago with men, where it's like men are much more likely to suppress. And and so that that like I feel like naturally has a almost a psychosis to it that it's like, ah, 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 aliens. It's like, (laughs) whoa, settle down. Or like if it's not aliens, it's immigrants. Or if it's not immigrants, it's non-white people. Or if it's not nine white people, it's the government. It's like, whoa, like what is that? What is that weird emotionally fueled rage that like that leads you to reject like conscientious education? I don't know. It fr- it frightens me. Yeah. I think that's why I'm talking about it so much. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. Because it's kind of have, finding frightening manifestations these days. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just idiots talking online. It's like people killing people. Yeah. Like with these theories at, at like their heart. It seems that way. Like, I mean, it's really hard to, it's, it's so complicated. It really <laughs> is hard to say what is like objectively true now, mm-hmm. because at least in like, the news and the political sphere. Like, you know, when it comes down to the fundamentals, it's still the same old philosophical questions like, does this mug exist or is it an illusion? Mm-hmm. Like in that ancient alien episodes when they talked about like the, the universal hologram oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> theory or what something. The fuck? Just like
1: toss that out there and then just started saying how like the entire world is an illusion and something about how ancient <laughs> aliens inseminated the hypothalamus <laughs> the hypothalamus like
0: <laughs> you know i think one of my favorite things about this episode is like the the crux of their argument basically depended on all these things in the universe and across the earth that look like eggs but i just wanted to tell them i was like have you ever seen an egg because an egg is not an oval so you can't just point to oval things and be like that's an egg like eggs actually have a distinctive <laughs> it's a shape, common shape. <laughs> it's like where they they're, they're not exactly an oval um Anyway, yeah. it, but not that that matters. It, do- <laughs> it doesn't matter. But it was still stupid. And yeah.
1: Yeah. But I don't, I mean, we've talked about it several times in the podcast about like the whole crisis of masculinity and like a crisis of meaning. And you were alluding to earlier about like not having like role models or guides. And I think we probably got most into this in our Fight Club episode mm-hmm. with like the idea of like, you know, having no father figures and like who do they turn to? Yeah. Like this Tyler Durden character who's actually like, the psychotic expression of Edward Norton. Oh, God. And he's, like, their guide into whatever's coming. And it's all this, like, the meaning that's been passed down or that they've inherited from their fathers has been, like, deemed meaningless and empty. And so, like, well, what's meaning? Well, our rage is meaning. And, like, (laughs) our gathering in this, and, like, it is this, like, emotional connection, but it's not necessarily healthy emotions yeah. it's like the emotions of like beating the shit out of jared Leto.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> god that is so disturbing and i love how much it disturbs you too <laughs> oh no, it's profoundly disturbing just the sounds and the sounds and then his yeah. face for the rest of the movie <laughs> like it doesn't like... look like him at all
1: He's just deformed for the rest of the movie, <laughs> oh just God. because Edward Norton wanted to destroy something beautiful. Wow! And then Robert Paulson dies, and yeah. they, all these guys, this oh. like cult of dudes, has they have like a collective emotional moment of just like yes. chanting that his name was Robert Paulson without recognizing like how dumb they all are and yeah. how they've just like been causing this, yeah. <laughs> this idiotic death. But yeah, yeah. yeah it's, the- it's such a time of bubbles, you know. Because mm-hmm. like I, a lot of these people we're talking about, I hear about it through the media, like and through Vice and through mm-hmm. like f- just reports of some crazy domestic terrorist crime and some crazy dude who calls himself a neo-Nazi. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's it, maybe it's. The conspiracy thing has some connection to like a search for meaning, like a search for Uh for actual truth because like as crazy as the conspiracy theories are, like these people are – they're saying like absolutes. They're saying this is what's true. Like what's true is that like this didn't happen or that this was a cover up or Mm -hmm. that like aliens are – Like the that gave us eggs or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) This cosmic egg. Yeah, then there was theory in that episode about like all of a sudden they were talking about the double helix structure of DNA, and they pointed to this like old like egg in Portugal Uh that had like a a structure that kind of (laughs) looked like really pretty vaguely like DNA. And then they just like started talking about Francis Crick saying that Mm-hmm. aliens were involved and <laughs>
0: yeah it got really weird like yeah pretty fast and then i just i love their their use of images where it's like they basically then like go to this weird like egyptian hieroglyphic and they like animate these like egyptian gods like making dna it's like you can't <laughs> yeah. just do that like who knows what that thing yeah, is like it's just a like- swirly design <laughs> yeah yeah like we
1: have no idea what that is because we discovered it thousands of years after it existed, <laughs> Like a very distant culture. But I guess that's really been a common like theory for some time now. Like that's not just dependent on this age that mm-hmm. like Egyptian pyramids and Mayan temples and just like ancient civilizations like got their technology and knowledge from mm-hmm. aliens and that like gods are actually representations of alien beings. And yeah, that's that's part of what Alex Jones went on. He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast many times uh-huh. now, and they're like friends. Just <laughs> kind of kind of funny. But his most recent time on, they got, you know got they started getting into aliens. And like Alex Jones, whole like theory on aliens is that top government officials are communicating with aliens, and that aliens are giving us all this technology mm-hmm. and like things like iPhones and stuff are coming from aliens. The government's actually way ahead of whatever we have now, but it's just like, <laughs> that's how all this technological innovation is happening is because of what we're receiving from aliens. And then he started talking <laughs> about communicating with aliens through psychedelic drugs and oh, yeah. like programs that are happening with that, which there actually are mm-hmm. like, that's true. <laughs> like, there's, one happening in Boulder where, like, a bunch of people are using this one this substance, DMT. Uh-huh. And, like, I actually – I know one of the guys who's doing it and they're doing extended state DMT research where they're mm. basically going to be in this kind of inexplicable state of consciousness where people who go there reportedly – like, they, they repeatedly report having contact with, like, estrial, extraterrestrials. And so these people are going to, like – use a machine to stay in that state for long periods of time to try and like communicate with whatever is out there that they experience. Like it's it's wild stuff. But then if that's the fact of the matter, like you can go really far with the, Mm -hmm. once you cross that interpretive threshold.
0: Yeah, exactly. See, that's the thing where it's like so many of these, it's unfortunate that um, there, there are nuggets of truth within, within these things. Um, even like with like the nine eleven conspiracy, you know the the crux of that argument is that you know steel melts at whatever twenty two hundred degrees Fahrenheit, jet fuel burns at fifteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit, something like that. So they're like, so the towers never could have fallen. It's like, well, that is correct. However, you're missing the fact that steel can bend at like a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. So all that needs to happen is it to get hot enough to bend. It didn't have to melt. So it's like. It's like these, a lot of these conspiracy theories are based on some truth. And then, like you said, like, I think then that unknown, which everyone is, of course, afraid of, like leads mm-hmm. to a weird just leap over that gap where it's like, oh, we know this, we know this, we don't know this, but still we'll go there for blah, blah, blah. So, right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In some funny way. It's like almost like a mirror of just the path of like philosophy of like mm-hmm. going into what we can know and then you know, recognizing it's that there's always like something unknowable, like you're never going to know everything. Like the whole like Faust story is, you know, this guy who just is obsessed with knowing everything <laughs> and has to like sell his soul yeah. to the devil to know everything. But then it's just, it's like that trend weirdly applied to like politics and the physical world and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it all just comes back to Buddhism that the inner is the outer and uh, <laughs> dualism doesn't exist. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's it's yeah, not it's just a weird one.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's oh, go ahead. It's yeah. not just like art and literature. It's like, yeah, unfortunately, this has like real effects on people's lives. And it's like, right. you know, I, I see this with, with teaching there. It's like students' abilities to discern what's real and true is is now influenced more by media than it is by old fashioned learning, you know, um, which is, I think kind of scary. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's like, okay. So we have like, uh, Dan rather like the classic, you know, news guy for half hour segment on this channel or ancient aliens on this one. Well, they're both on TV. Therefore they're on an equal footing. Mm-hmm. Therefore their content must be equal. Like that's what, that's what, you know, a lot of the stuff is about, like, how people buy into this shit. Well, it's like, well, yeah. they're on an equal platform where it used to be like, yes, right. whatever, four channels. Yeah. And, you know, every city had two newspapers. It's like that was that was the source. But now when it's like, fuck, I can watch Impractical Jokers or fucking Ancient Aliens or, read, or like who the hell? Jerry's blog from North Dakota. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the the sameness of the Internet where it's just it's perspectivism like just so many perspectives and like like trump himself has mm-hmm. been largely responsible for like just declaring that like news doesn't exist in any truthful fashion anymore and everything's yeah. fake yeah so i think this know. is
0: mm-hmm. this 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 seems like an epistemological turning point in human civilization like right now <laughs> right yeah, this is like the core one of the core questions of right
1: now is like what is true, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is yeah. like the same question that Descartes departed from, right? Yeah, it's like the origin of, of modern like, philosophy. Modern philosophy, yeah. But and it's, it's like Aristotle. Like, I feel like Aristotle yep. and Plato were asked in the same things, but mm-hmm. there was like a general consensus in the world. I think at those times that <laughs> certain things were true. There wasn't. I don't know, but I can't imagine there was mass hysteria over the question of what is true.
0: Yeah, you know, and not to kind of get all dark, but uh, no I dark, will. Man. Yeah, um, the, the you know, side. obviously, <laughs> what'd you say? <laughs> the dark side. The dark side. You know, so force. <laughs> um, I think. You know, so talking about the history of the Catholic Church real quick, the Catholic Church often gets a very bad rap in the Middle Ages because it's seen as like dark and backward. However, I think people forget that um, for largely the Catholic Church was responsible for education in the Middle Ages and the Middle Ages produced the foundations of modern science. So modern science began with Galileo or whatever, but the foundations of that were planted in in the Middle Ages as they learned about astronomy and um physics and math and all this other stuff. Um, But then after the printing press, you see more of like the classic like inquisition style of, of stuff happening and like the Spanish inquisition, which was notoriously violent. And I think some of that is because once the printing press was around, there was this idea that information is now widespread and it's, it's kind of scary when information is widespread in some ways. And so if you're, um, if you're an institution interested in kind of holding on to a certain viewpoint you're going to find that to be scary and now we're at this point in society where information is so widespread that i wonder if we'll have kind of a a moment where there's this concept there's idea that we need to like it's getting too out of control again it's like you know pandora's box sort of thing where it's like oh shit you know is there going to be a backlash where it's like we need to get back to this i hope not
1: yeah there's a sense of that happening right now, right? With like going back, like mm-hmm. make it great again. like Yeah, exactly. And just kind of looking back and Stranger Things, 1980s. Stranger Things.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you for saying that. That made me, because I think what I said sort of made me depressed, but you was just saying that made me happy. <laughs> yeah. Stranger Things is, I think it's a, it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Do you like Stranger Things? I forget if we talked about this. Oh, yeah, man okay nice did you because because i like it but i like i i like it but i and i think it's well done but i I don't necessarily think it's good yeah me neither (laughs) yeah yeah. it's like that second season especially was like damn this was this was a legitimately bad show (laughs) yeah there's very
1: little i remember about the second season i remember Uh um like, that poor kid that just – all the bad stuff happens to him. Just <laughs> now you're a million this...
0: degrees.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sean Aston just, like, appears in the second season and, like – Sam. Gives this kid really pointed advice. He's like, my mom always told me in nightmares, like, when there was a bad thing there to just – to look at it and say, I'm not afraid. And so this kid does that, and then he just gets, like, possessed by this horrifying demonic entity. For, and, like, <laughs> it controls him for the rest of the season. And Sean Aston just completely misguided him. Wow, and I never noticed killed. that.
0: Yeah. That's really fucking funny. Which
1: ga- had gave me the theory for a while that Sean Aston was going to be that beast in disguise, but then he just died. Yeah, he seemed like a bit of a... he, Like, he had a, a scary vibe. <laughs> yeah, that, like, too nice kind of vibe, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, exactly. Which like in our um, in the script we're writing, Independence Day three yeah. is kind of our treatment of Bill Pullman.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little too nice, like what's going on with this guy. Well yeah. you're gonna have to tune in, listener. To yeah, exactly. Up. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Just <laughs> we gotta get yeah. that script to rolling pretty soon here. I know. Yeah, I know, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, just to back at what you're saying about how there could be this impending crisis of needing mm-hmm. to go back yeah. to something like it's almost like a center like what is a center of like information and trust mm-hmm. like can that in this like crazy internet landscape can that still like exist in a form like mm-hmm.
0: is it wikipedia yeah <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's probably the most trustworthy thing out there, actually. <laughs> it's
1: the exact opposite of when it first came out. When it was yeah. the least
0: trustworthy source possible. <laughs> like, It's pretty much what we all turn to for information now. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. It's amazing. It's like, I think when Wikipedia came out, they thought it would become what like Reddit is now. It's like, it's just going to be crazy people posting bullshit. But now it's like, right. yeah, it's like fucking Wikipedia is more respected than like CNN. <laughs> Yeah, right.
1: Yes, because it's got
0: citations. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And, you yeah, know, so something... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's
1: just it's not just the rambling of some crazy person.
0: Yeah. It's like, here's like, okay, where this like, information maybe, is sourced. Maybe that's the goal, to try and make our communication and our, our spread of information nowadays, which is so much faster and, and more widespread than ever before, to make it like a Wikipedia, where it's like, it is these diverging voices but they they actually are aiming at objectivity mm-hmm. where it's like you know like someone will come in and they'll say something about like george bush being a terrible president and then that'll be taken down that day it's like that's not objective that's an opinion based you know comment or whatever mm-hmm. yep then once we all start getting chips implanted in our brain and become
1: artificial intelligence it's gonna get and controlled even, even by even those more. lizards goddamn that Alex lizards. Jones.
0: Goddamn lizards <laughs> Yeah, them and reptilian. their... Others, s- Arr, reptilian. <laughs> Rep,
1: reptilian! Reptilian's controlling the White House. <laughs> Dro- I, I mean, Let's honestly,
0: <laughs> how can anyone actually take him seriously? That's what I don't get about Alex Jones. Yeah. You're just hearing like, this crazy man screaming. Yeah. Anyway, um, so something just kind of along these lines that uh, just to go a little... um, While we're at it, I'm going to critique our generation. So it's something that I realized, you know, there's this big talk of like, you know, politicians, you need to fucking, you need to solve the crisis you've created, which is the crisis of bipartisanship in our country. Like, you are so partisan. Both sides play their party. They sacrifice their morals if it will help their party. Politicians, you need to fucking stop that. And I agree with that. And I, I agreed with it as well. Um, But then as I started paying attention, I realized that our generation is also to blame. Like you and I definitely know a lot of people who are like really partisan, really, really partisan. (laughs) And they're like, stop the partisanship. (laughs) It's like, God damn it. Like, no, stop yourself. You know, like, uh, them them screaming, stop the partisanship is basically them screaming like, fuck the other side. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like okay, yes. Yeah, so the politicians are in many ways to blame, but like let's let's as a generation not then become the next era's politicians, just doing the same thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's
1: gotta I like there's gotta be a limit of like how far the separation <laughs> can go mm-hmm. before like some universal law corrects itself or like yeah. brings the pendulum back. But I don't know. Maybe not. Like maybe we're just in a completely different world than well we're actually we're definitely in a completely different world than has ever existed mm-hmm. just with like this technology and yeah global warming and, <laughs> 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 and every time this stuff gets too crazy and heady like i just it always comes back to a south park moment that just makes me laugh with them mm-hmm. like reducing it to something really dumb like yeah a decade ago just all the citizens of south park running away through a nice day and just like pointing at the sky and screaming like it's global warming, (laughs) like (laughs) running away like this horrible monster is approaching. (laughs) Like it's it's right behind us.
0: (laughs) Oh man. Uh, South park.
1: Yeah. Those, I think those guys are probably like if aliens exist, I feel like from their perspective, those are like two of the greatest humans
0: alive. Yeah, I agree. Like
1: <laughs> pretty objectively.
0: <laughs> yeah, they do such a such a service because they like it's 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 like in so many ways they stand at the middle and they just call out the the extremes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was always and, this perspective. I think that like they were liberal because like mm-hmm. they would make fun of conservatives and. I remember yeah. just hearing them interviewed once and they're like, oh, the liberals
0: are even worse. <laughs>
1: like, we hate yeah. them more
0: because they're always like,
1: oh, no, like, we're fine. Like, we're good. <laughs> like, yeah. Why would you make fun of us? We're correct.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I know we've talked about this where it's like, I, you know, like, I I've, I think I found myself kind of across the board politically. But there is this like, especially because so many people that we probably interact with are liberal where right. it's like.
1: Yeah, that's the bubble. L-
0: yeah, liberals very much, very much live in a bubble where it's just mm. like. I know a lot of liberal people where, yeah, this is this is really weird because like, and I don't want to use this. I'm I'm not trying to say this as like a way of like downcasting liberals because, for most issues, I tend I tend to be on the liberal side, Um but I can think of some issues where it's like if you were to like disagree with some liberal people, they would write you off completely. It's like right. God, I yeah. can't even disagree with you on this, right? Because I, I really, don't, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, so,
1: to, Well, you mean, like, write you off completely, like, as a person in general? Mm-hmm. Yes, basically Just like, that. As having the potential for, like, a valid thought.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because, like, I've definitely, like, you know, encountered and communicated with hardcore conservatives who, you know, won't budge on an issue and, like, will mm-hmm. fundamentally disagree with you. But then we get often get past that and they're just like talking about stuff again. Whereas like, I feel like that intense liberal would
0: be much more likely to just like storm out and be like, fuck this person. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, I think you get a little bit of both of, in terms of like, For this sure, yeah. this uh, example of um like a- any, any person who just like assumes that you agree with them always annoys me when they just start saying <laughs> something. It's like, God, yeah, how about this bullshit right and i'm like yeah Look at and they're just like staring come- at you nodding i know <laughs> and i i feel like i feel like it used to be the case for me that that would happen with conservatives more um but maybe that's because obama was president and so the the opposite voices are going to kind of come out in a more blatant way but now that trump is president mm-hmm. i'm finding that more with liberals where it's like they'll just mm-hmm. like come out and say something assuming you agree with them and almost as like a challenge it's like well God, I actually don't want to really want to say that I disagree with you because I don't want to be written off as a person right now.
1: Right, <laughs> yeah, just going to keep my mouth shut. But I yeah. think that's you know, you and I were talking about this probably like a couple months ago, and mm-hmm. I think we both concluded that part of the reason we started to think this because I feel like it's kind of a new like phenomenon for both of us to realize mm-hmm. this, to yeah. feel this, um, was listening to Jordan Peterson. Yeah, and, exactly. Like he's you know gotten completely like slandered by Mm -hmm. like liberals Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like, and I don't know, there's that whole element of his like presence in the world right now is so strange. Like the way it is some conservatives seem to like, like use him as justification for crazy thoughts that he's not saying, whereas some liberals are saying he's making claims that he's not making. And like, it's obvious and anyone who thinks he's saying smart things is like a stupid misogynist racist exactly (laughs) He's like this intelligent canadian like young influenced guy who's i'm sure he's flawed and he's not saying everything perfect but like Mm -hmm. pretty much all i hear him saying is that we need to come back to like ethics and values and there are things that are better than other things and worth living for and that's like human like dignity and like um Mm -hmm. Making something of your life, and that i mean he 's really vocal against like the liberal suppression of free speech and like of being mm-hmm. able to actually express what you're thinking and um like it's a it's a big big problem yeah.
0: problem <laughs> <laughs> and and on the on the other hand as well it's like like what you're saying he's he's also he is trying to call people out to, like you said, make something of themselves and not be drawn in by these destructive ideologies that are like right. racist or um, white supremacist Glodianist. or something yeah. because cause he's against those. But somehow it's odd that he is – he he's co-opted sometimes by that side mm-hmm. and then he's dismissed. Right. So he's like co-opted by the right and he's dismissed by the left. And I find him to be in so many ways kind of like – more down the middle, like trying to like call out, yeah. you know, but I, yeah. And like, like, I think I, I said this and it gave you a good laugh that like, when I first heard about him, all I knew was that he was evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Cause when I first heard about him, I knew nothing about that.
1: And all I heard was actually, I first heard about him from a black woman and she was really? talking about how life changing he'd been for her and like how mm. Like he's amazing, and you know you got to listen to his podcast. I I met her at an airport because she was reading a book by Jung, and I was like, "Oh wow, crap! You're reading Jung." And she's like, "Yeah, Jordan Peterson talks about him all the time." I was like, "Who's that?" And then all of a sudden, I started just hearing from people like randomly, like Jordan Peterson is great. He's so smart, and like saying all these really good things about you know embracing your life and your unconscious. And then like I like Googled something, and all of a sudden this like New York Times piece pops up of someone just, like, talking about him being, like, racist and sexist. Like, what the hell is this? And then that was, like, after the fact. And it's like, this is so different than, like, everything I've heard and the way I was introduced to this guy. Yeah. And, like, have I seen people since then, like, who say, like, oh, you like Jordan Peterson? You must be a straight white male. Oh, yeah. Like, in a really negative way. And then I'm kind of like, well, I am a straight white male. Like, Mm -hmm. And then I kind of have this voice, like, Am I not seeing something? Like, does that, am I legitimately like mm-hmm. in a bubble that they're exposing? Or is this just part of like this weird cultural moment where like people are, see that as a very negative thing to be mm-hmm. and like just kind of objectively because, you know, of, like inherited privilege, which like I would never deny that I have like inherited a like huge amount of privilege. Yeah, and, exactly. But like, I guess it doesn't deny you disqualifies as qualifies someone as a yeah, human having validity or like uh-huh. being able to be a good person like that. seems to, That's that interpretive leap, I guess, that is problematic and subjective. I don't It doesn't feel subjective. It feels pretty pervasive. But I think
0: especially through the liberal. Yeah. Like, see, that's the thing. And right right I think. Now. Yeah, I. I think something High that's mind, kind of a, I should say. What would you say? I just oh. said hive mind, I should yeah, say. Of course. You know, it's
1: not necessarily individual liberal, but like that collective perspective that is perpetuated through Facebook and shit.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, something that we you and I come back to time and again is just this idea that you should be able to uh you should be able to converse about issues and not write someone or an idea off immediately. I mean, there are certain ideas I think you undoubtedly can immediately write off, you know. Um yeah. You know, the terrible, pervasive, evil ideologies and whatnot. But
1: yeah, like if you say like Nazis were good, like, yeah, I'm probably
0: going to write you off as exactly like, a person, to be honest. Yes, exactly. Um, but, you know, it's something that's so interesting that I think the, the liberals made a huge mistake on, which um, which I I really think they do. And I I kind of made this mistake a lot as well. A few years ago was early on casting all Trump voters and Trump supporters as racist. Right. Like that mm-hmm. was a very big mistake because it oh, just yeah. served to, it's like, I I get how you could feel that way. Cause I did feel that way. It's like, right. he is saying these things and he is doing these things that are, it would be very hard to interpret other than being, other than the fact that other than coming from a racist person. And I do think he has some, some racial or some racist, tendencies and i'm saying that i'm just trying to kind of word that politically um right but uh but i think yeah. and and i'm yeah. i'm sure some of his supporters no doubt are are very very racist uh white supremacist mm-hmm. sort of people however the idea of painting all the, his supporters as that way really served to undermine um liberals in general because all you have to – like the idea of painting an entire group of people one way is like a really bad idea and all that's going to do is make right. that side not listen to you at all. So I feel like yeah. liberals trying to like – being really angry actually unfortunately widened the divide between left and right.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. It did this thing that like I think has become more conscious that, that liberal um, mentality can often do which is like put themselves above like – you know, like, it's not not just putting everything in a bubble on the other side, but, like, you're racist and you're dumber than me. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I am more intelligent. Anyone who's intelligent would not vote for this man. Mm-hmm. And, like, that... You're making a really good point that that as, like, a... It was an emotional response, you know? Exactly. Out of fear, out of just, like, confusion, anger, and... Um, it casts, like, half of the country, you know, people would be like, oh, Clinton got three million more votes. Like, okay, well, figuratively, half of the country into a bubble and saying, like, that half of our nation is dumber than us. Like, they really, really accentuated that divide. Yeah. And like, that's what we're really feeling, that divide now. And, like, anyone, any human being who is put into a group and said that they're dumb. And, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, that that's probably going to make them not like the
0: person that says that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... And that's pretty understandable. <laughs> I mean, and I think it's like, you know, let's, let's re- for a second with Trump's presidency, let's remove the hot button issues. Like, border wall, his overall demeanor, mm-hmm. his lying, like, Russia! Russia. Yeah, let's like remove those hot button issues for a second. And, you know, think about things like the economy. It's been largely good. A lot of that, without a doubt, has been inherited from the Obama administration that like stabilized the economy after the recession in 2008. Um, But it's also been up and down the current economy with the stock market. And I think they're saying it's going to dip a little bit. And Mm -hmm. so – and then with the trade stuff, like a lot of farmers are missing out because otherwise they would be sending stuff to China. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so <laughs> let's say you are a conservative, a moderately conservative American from like the middle of the country and you supported Trump because you share some of these conservative values. However, you don't like some of his policies and you are kind of fed up with, with his attitude that go against, let's say, your traditionally Christian ethics or something like that. Um, do, you, do you think that that person is going to go over to the liberal side in the next election? Because I don't think so once they've been called a dumb idiot. <laughs> right. It's like the exact way to make sure that they don't come over. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and like you want more of those people to be voting on your side if you want this guy out of office.
0: Yeah. Like use the 2016 <laughs> as, an, as, an, as an opportunity to speak About some like, you know, some issues with, you know, like trying to approach it as hard as it is because it was emotional trying to approach it as rationally as possible. Like, hey, the voting system in this country is clearly fucked that if that many more million people can vote for someone and that person's not elected, that's weird. What does this say about our country and how it views women? Like those are some legitimate issues. But it's like don't have that emotional response. Like I uh, just real quick personal example. I have a student who's always fucking talking in class. And he just, I finally got fed up and I told him to stop acting like an idiot. And then like, right as those words came out of my mouth, I was like, what the fuck are going to be the ramifications for this? Cause I just called the kid an idiot in front of 25 kids and he deserved yeah. it. But, um, it was clearly, <laughs> it was me fed up with emotion. Um, yeah. and I just, it right. wasn't a good response.
1: So I think just to tie it back to something we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. like with emotion and just how there's like there's positive expressions of it and positive feelings of it. And like not positive responses to it. Like I guess the impulsivity is where it gets dangerous because especially with like a powerful emotion, like that can, that can drive human behavior, not just instantaneously, but for like long periods of time, Mm -hmm. you know, like people often like look back to Hitler's speeches and like that dude, when he's just screaming like in front of people, like he's, riling up a massive emotional response like in, you know, a nationalistic kind of way like that's, you know, pulling something out of them Mm -hmm. and basically making them do crazy things. And you can't, you know, take the person out of the situation. It's not all Hitler. Like they are choosing that Mm -hmm. too. But like the power of emotion cannot be like, you know, extracted from that situation. So, you know, that mass hive mind liberal response to trump being elected was very like impulsive emotion like not pausing with it not like processing it Mm -hmm. sitting with it but just like profound fear and profound confusion and like finding community through like validating that impulsive response of being like they're bad like anyone who says like blah blah blah, anyone who votes for Trump is this, and then everyone just like cheering, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And like that's this is the same thing that got Trump elected that his supporters <laughs> do. is like <laughs> it's like you know, really emotional things like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like <laughs> yeah, America, great, yeah. Was, I don't know. It's the
0: irony of it all. Yeah. Ironic. And like I yeah. <laughs> I like I it, it bothers me because I disagree with Donald Trump on m- most of his most issues, and I I think most things he says are just like really terrible and dumb and horrible because he's lying all the time. <laughs> but it's like right. B- I can I can I try and be this sort of person where it's like I can believe that I can feel that way, but also like criticize the other side. And just thinking about how many situations I've been in since he's been elected, where I've been in groups of people and someone has just like spoken for the group essentially. Like, you know, you've been in those situations where someone's like, yeah, yeah. great. And then we got this, this idiot in the white house where it's like, okay, yeah, he is an idiot. And I definitely agree with that without a doubt. Um, but you know, like you just, you just kind of denied anyone who supports him who might be sitting in this right. room right now. Like, mm-hmm. and you're basically, you're trying to equate them also with being an idiot. And it, it, and you're right. He is an idiot. But that is not the intellectually competent thing to do. Like rather, you—you right. that's fueled by emotion. And I think emotions are good. But when it comes to debate, emotions cloud objectivity.
1: Yeah. Or just at least the in, in, impulsive response to emotions. Exactly. Like, yes. I think of you know, processing it and like being with it in like a mature way and not like just letting it instantly cloud your judgment is not conducive to like being like, smart, open-minded, connecting with people. But like yeah. to be able to feel that and recognize, like, okay, I'm feeling that emotion, but I my entire being is not equated with that emotion. Mm-hmm. How can like express this in a healthy way while being open to alternate alternate pers- perspectives? And it's tough, you know. Like that is not necessarily our default. Like way of being, like that's mm-hmm. that's what spiritual paths are often all about, is like yeah. experiencing these emotions, but not like being controlled by them, and not like mm-hmm. completely attaching to them. So this is water, but like you know, there's a, a part of me too. Yeah, this is yeah. water, yeah. Do uh-huh. uh, you have do you have dub? But you could totally see someone listening to this podcast and being like, "Fuck those guys, they're Trump supporters." I know. <laughs> Which like, is so crazy like, I think to that's... be able to say anything about, like, that liberal like, hive mind in a negative way. It's like, well, you must support Trump then. If you're not with us, you're against us. Which...
0: <laughs> Only the Sith speaks in absolutes. <laughs> Only a Sith. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true, though. And I I feel like I've been pretty clear that I don't like Donald Trump and I disagree with yeah. almost everything he's done. Uh, um, gotta look critically at ourselves yeah exactly it's never gonna grow it's true and and again i it's like i it's really hard like this idea of um a lot of this kind of comes back to this idea actually i f- i think about this sometimes of revenge or vengeance you know, and like you said, revenge General, of the Sith. yeah spiritual paths they they all speak against vengeance and they talk about how vengeance destroys yourself and um, Anakin. And ha- Anakin, yeah. And it's it's terrible because there is such a desire. Like I teach my students this: that there's a difference between revenge or vengeance and justice. They're not the same. Um, there is, like, let's say after a war, there is a desire to seek revenge on the other side. Like for the victors mm-hmm. to seek revenge. And like, let's say, look at World War II. Like there were the Nuremberg Trials, but those were an attempt to get justice for the millions of people who were harmed and destroyed and the lives and, and that sort of thing. But there's this idea of like seeking revenge. Like, first of all, it's, it's more of that impulsive emotional response and it might feel good for the moment. However, if you are thinking about it pragmatically, when you seek revenge, you are strengthening the other side, you're strengthening the will of the other side and you're not, you're not leading to reconciliation or completeness. And Unfortunately, with our political system, every win is like a chance to rub it in the face of the other team. And it's like, Mm -hmm. man, they're just going to come back stronger next time. And you know what they're going to do when they win? They're going to rub it in our face. And then we win. We're going to rub it in their face. And it's never going to end until all those faces have been rubbed. Yep. And then Thanos withers away into dust. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All those faces have been rubbed. (laughs) Yeah, it's terrible. Hmm. It's true. Yep. I think, um, I think it's time for some closing remarks.
0: Yeah, I think we've brought it to explosion.
1: We've definitely brought this to explosion and beyond.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, like yeah, it.
1: that was, I'm grateful for the History Channel. for uh, Me too. Forged in Fire and Ancient Aliens mm-hmm. for taking us on this journey. And um, I think at me, like, at a personal level, it kind of comes to that, how are you responding to emotions? I think feel emotions. Mm -hmm. And this is a really important thing because this is a whole new podcast of what happens when you try to repress emotions and medicate Mm -hmm. emotions and not feel things. And that's connection to violence shootings, who knows, but exactly. There's healthy ways to experience and be with emotions. And they're very important for the human experience, regardless of whether you're male or female or both or neither. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, hopefully, um, we get some leaders who can step up and help people out with
0: that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, I just, my, my closing thoughts would be, um, ancient aliens is, uh, appeals to sort of that shadow, that shadow world, right? Am I using that correctly? Sort of that dark side that, yeah. that we repress. Whereas, whereas I think Fortune of Fire is more of a synthesis. Um, like, uh, you know, uh, Fire purifies steel or purifies iron into steel i think fortune fire maybe is doing a a bit of purifying work for the men in society who 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 have one image of manliness but then discover that it's it's broader than that and and healthier and better so so
1: may you be reborn in the cosmic egg
0: and emerge forged in fire (laughs) Oh man! Hey, you, did you see the imagery of the cosmic baby, the cosmic uh, child from Kubrick? Yep, yeah, uh, Kubrick. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that was that seemed to be the actual argument of that whole episode <laughs> it was that we're going to be reborn as Star Baby.
0: Star Baby, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yep, Kubrick new. Kubrick new. Cute. Cute. <laughs> All right, thank Cute. you. To oh, this has been a fun ride. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. You're
1: every week <laughs> <laughs>